everybody, and welcome back to another installment of the Double Down WNBA podcast. As always, I'm Eric Nemchak alongside Stephen Trinkwald. And Stephen, today we're going to be continuing on our free agency pre-preview, uh, going over the free agents for uh, guards and wing players, and uh, maybe hash out some potential destinations for them. That's right. Last week, we covered the post players and excited to talk about a pool of players this week that maybe, at least my expectations are, a, a little bit more opportunity for a movement. Yeah, and last week we uh, we went over the rules, the outlines, the guidelines, if you will, for the salary cap, the max contract, rookie contract, difference between reserved, restricted, and unrestricted free agents. If you want to hear that, just go back to last week's episode. We talk about it briefly. Or you can go to the next or her hoop stats. They are very good at what they do. They've got this laid out in great detail. So, Stephen, would you like to start with the unrestricted or restricted free agents? Well, there's a little bit more to talk about with unrestricted. I think that's the place to start. And if you did not listen last week, we're going to be breaking these into player tiers. And for the superstar tier for the unrestricted free agents, I have two players, uh, Diana Taurasi and Chelsea Gray. was a little bit hesitant to include both of these two players, to be honest with you. I had them both in star category with, with a couple other players. But at the end of the day, like these two players are just offensive hubs in a way I don't think really any other guard or perimeter player really qualifies for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think another argument could be made, you know, like Diana Tarazi, she's going to be going into her age 39 season, unbelievably. And uh, Chelsea Gray had maybe somewhat of a down year last year as a spark, but they are very likely the two best players in this class as far as guards are concerned. I don't see Diana Tarazi going anywhere, do you? I do not see Diana Tarazi going anywhere. And I think, you know, Phoenix, I think they're going to go back to kind of going all in, but things are going to be pretty tight for them. They'll have just over $300,000 to fill five roster spots after signing a Supermax contract for Diana Taurasi. And that does not amount to a lot of money per roster spot. So I think the depth might be uh, might be a little shaky next year, but I do expect DT to be back, not only on the court next season, but with Phoenix. She is the Phoenix Mercury, let's just be honest. And uh, as far as the depth is concerned, I think it's going to be it's going to be an issue if Bria Hartley in particular is not ready to come back in time. Bria, of course, uh, tore her ACL. She was having a career year last season coming off the bench, and she suffered a very bad knee injury, which really sucks. She was able to kind of fill that six-woman role very nicely for this team. If she's not back, I don't know. What, what, their depth, how, how, do you feel, how, how do you feel like they're going to fill that, that void? Well, I think, I mean, maybe they'll be able to still – afford to bring back Shatori Walker-Kimbrough. I think it'll be pretty tight. We'll see kind of what the pool is for her and, and like what she has for suitors. But under contract currently, it's just Sophie Cunningham, Diggins Smith, Griner, Hartley, who you mentioned is injured, and then Alana Smith and Brianna Turner. So like I said, like you're looking at really not a ton of roster flexibility just in terms of your your cap number there. So mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about maybe some some targets if they can afford them. I have a couple picked out here that I thought might be good fits for them. But, you know, I think it's going to be tough to find 10 or 11 real, you know, rotation level WNBA players for this team. Yeah, I agree. Now, Chelsea Gray, like I said, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this, but she had kind of a down year by her standards anyway with the Sparks. Still waiting to see what they do. I think the Sparks are one of the more interesting teams to watch this offseason because they have so much Need, needing to be done as far as, you know, re-signing their, their big three of Gray, Candace Parker, and Neko Gumake. Do you think Chelsea Gray will return to LA? 
I think she will. I have the feeling you're a little bit less sure about that. And, you know, the Sparks, I think, you know, technically they, they can't afford to bring all three of those players back under max contracts, but things are going to look real thin if that's the case. You're looking at a lot of minimum deals to fill out that roster. So something tells me, you know, all three of those players will not be back. You know, one of them might be moving on elsewhere. Do you feel like Chelsea Gray is the most likely of those players? You know, I do. I do. And I have really nothing, nothing hard to base this on, but uh, you know, she just didn't seem like she was in a rhythm last year at all. Sparks, we have our opinions about how well they're coached. Uh, I don't know, man. Like it seemed like Minnesota who can really afford to spend some money this off season. And I don't know. Just think about what, what Cheryl Reeve can do with a player of Chelsea Gray's caliber. That's just, just some food for thought. I have nothing. I have no evidence, but uh, I do think she, I do think there is a greater than 0% chance she moves on, but uh, we'll see what happens. I think the Sparks have some, some uh, things to figure out beyond uh, the free agents, but we can discuss that later. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't just 2020 that Chelsea Gray kind of had a down year. It's no. really been, and I don't want to, you know, necessarily directly correlate it with, the Derek Fisher tenure, but it's been the last two seasons that she's looked like a different player than she had the prior two seasons in 2017 and 2018, where she looked like, you know, a premier point guard in this league. You know, her efficiency is way down uh, from those two seasons a couple years back. And, you know, it's just been a, a little bit of a different player these last two years. With that being said, we don't want to get too much into like team preview stuff, especially when a lot of it is hypothetical. But like, what do you think about like, Christy Tolliver going back to like a primary ball handler role if Chelsea Gray does move on? Uh, there are worse options. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think Tolliver is, she wouldn't be my first choice as far as a, a pure point guard is concerned. I think she's better off the ball, but that sure is a nice safety net to have if you are concerned about losing a player like Chelsea Gray. Yeah, especially when you have like a Candace Parker who obviously yeah. is going to have the ball in her hand a ton, even at an advanced age, let's say. Um, but are there any other like fits that really jump out to you for Gray other than Minnesota, which I think would be just a nasty combination having her in, in a more structured system under Cheryl Reeve? Yeah, that would be awful for everyone else. Uh, not really. I mean, you look at these teams that, you know, really need a point guard. Indiana, I, I don't think she's going to go to Indiana. Dallas, maybe. I don't think she'd go to Dallas. Do you have any anything in mind? Not really. That was kind of the one that that jumped out. And I feel like Minnesota is going to be a target that we mentioned, or at least I mentioned for a ton of players. But oh, yeah. for me, you know, it seems like Gray will either come back to LA or, or go somewhere like there. There's not really anyone else that seems like a very appealing destination for her to leave Los Angeles for. I agree. Before we move on, did you have those players in your superstar tier? Or uh, yeah, did, okay, yeah, and I, I think you can maybe make the argument for Sue Bird as well. But this is this is kind of an interesting case. We should probably just move on to the star tier then, right? Sure. I think Sue Bird, yeah. Uh, I had two players in this tier as well, uh, and that is uh, Sue Bird, as you just mentioned, and then Alicia Clark, who is a little bit of a, an unconventional star, but she's definitely a star. Like in her role, she would make any team in the league considerably better. In she's my just opinion, she's so good at what she does, and we are staying incredibly on brand here. But yeah, Alicia Clark, I think. Is there another player, like in basketball, that you can compare to Alicia Clark as far as you know? being so good at what she does, but like having such little, like such low usage. Yeah. It's a tough one. I, I, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head, just in terms of, especially the usage, like you said, where she, you know, she really maximizes her opportunities. You know, she's such a great 
three and D player, you know, a, a term you hear all the time, but can also take it down on the block and run a pick and roll, you know, anything you need to ask her to do as long as she's not maybe expanding her offensive role too much, you know, definitely not an ideal situation if that's the case, but you know, she's, she's a star player in that she is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league and is a very reliable three point shooter and doesn't really need the ball. Well, you know, we talk about Clark all the time and what makes her such a valuable player, the extra passes and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think she belongs in this tier because, you know, she is a championship caliber player. Like she will, she'll never get played off the floor, no matter the matchup. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Bottom line. Um, Do you think any of these players are going to leave Seattle? Because I don't. No, I think this was something that we kind of touched on last week. And I think I gave my answer, but I don't remember if you gave yours. If you are Seattle, how do you prioritize the Alicia Clark versus Natasha Howard, you know, free agency situation? Uh, I mean, I, I prefer not, not to have to, but uh, honest, I, I think I'd rather go with Howard just because of both age and being a premier defender at the more important defensive position. Obviously, as we said, Alicia Clark is also a premier defensive player, but she's also going to be 33 years old. Natasha Howard may be coming off a little bit of a letdown season, although she did pick it up later on in the, like the second half and in the playoffs. Um, but if I can, I really want to keep that Natasha Howard, Brianna Stewart pairing together. So it'll be interesting kind of what Sue Bird wants to do, because I think if she's getting you know, a max contract and we assume Natasha Howard is going to command a max contract as well. Like there's not really a ton of money left over for Alicia Clark. Well, let's, let's look at what they have. Let's look at what they have. You're going to have Crystal Langhorn making six figures. Yeah. That's the one that jumps out. You know, yeah. if things get tight, you could go in a less expensive option there uh, because it's not a, a fully guaranteed deal. And, you know, she is looking like she's going to be the fifth, big on this team next that's year, an obvious choice to yeah make, you know given to how have your your fifth big make or even maybe even sixth big behind morgan tuck making one hundred and five thousand dollars. you know you can you can go in a, a more sensible direction money-wise and you also have sammy woodcomb and epiphany prince who we will talk about later um i'm wondering if seattle just doesn't punt on this draft yet again because for the past two years for the past two drafts they've drafted international players who they didn't bring over until the year after I think last year, like the main reason why they drafted uh, Alexa was because like they couldn't, they literally couldn't afford to, to keep her if they didn't bring, if they brought her over right away. So I don't know, like they've got the 11th pick in a draft that most people would say is not so strong. So maybe they do that again, or they trade the pick or something like that. But I find it, I'd be very surprised if the storm don't just like run it back with at least like nine out of their 11 players back. Yeah, and something I, I want to get to later, like I, Sammy Wickham seems like to me the one that is going to have to find some money elsewhere. I, I, I don't, so uh, that'll be an interesting one. I think we can move on to the above average starter tier here where I had four players and I think there's a pretty good chance that three of them could be on the move. Although uh, in one case, I certainly hope not. But uh, <laughs> in this tier, I had Kayla McBride, Ariel Powers, Benajah Laney, and Jasmine Thomas. Did you have anyone more or less in this tier? I think an argument could be made for Erica Wheeler, although she did have a career season in 2019 that was based mostly off just hitting most of her jumpers, and then she didn't play in 2020, so maybe that would be hard to maintain. But I think the, the four you listed are the safe choices for this tier. Yeah, Wheeler was a tough one for me because of what you just said. Like, we hadn't seen her in a year. The last time we saw her was the best that we had ever seen her in the WNBA, and a lot of it did ride kind of on hot shooting. So 
uh, hopefully she proves me wrong and, and she is able to continue to kind of produce that way in the WNBA. But let's start with Kayla McBride, a player who I believe you think is more than likely to maybe change teams. I do. I think she's very likely to change teams. And this is just because, like, if you watch them last season, going into the season, I thought it would be a very favorable environment for Kayla McBride because <laughs> expectedly uh, Bill Lambeer did not really have many three-point shooters on the team. You know, Kelsey Plum getting injured, that really sucked. Liz Cambage not coming over. Uh, so I thought some usage would, would be there for Kayla McBride, but it just didn't seem like they ever really – prioritized her on offense it seemed like the only times they really ran her plays was when they felt like they haven't they didn't run a play for her in a while she just didn't look like she was ever really established in that system and I think you could really tell like in the playoffs I don't know I don't want to be like the armchair psychologist here but she just seemed like she was making a lot of like mental errors or just like not really into it on both ends of the floor and I think she's better than that and I think you'd agree yeah and the other thing to consider Liz Cambage is a free agent this offseason the following offseason, Dierica Hamby and Asia Wilson are due for raises. Asia McCauchy will be coming off her deal. So, you know, maybe that will free up room for Vegas or maybe they'll want to bring Angel back. So money-wise, you know, they're going to have some tough decisions to make and they might start with Kayla McBride moving to a new team this season. Who do you see as good fits for, I mean, she's another player like Alicia Clark, in my opinion, where you know, she would play heavy minutes on just about any team and make them all better because of right. what, she, what she's good at. Yeah, I agree with that. Minnesota, again, again, I would hate to see it, but I think that would be a, a realistic choice. Yeah, it, it's hard to pick out just one team for Kayla McBride because, I mean, you would think she would fit in so well anywhere, but, you know, Vegas proved that wasn't the case this year. You have New York. Well, yeah, I mean, if they're going to play this style where they're just chucking up threes, you know, Kayla McBride can actually hit some of those shots. Yeah. Um, and, you know, would prove a steady hand defensively, a, a nice veteran presence. Yeah, I think it would be worth it to maybe punt on one of those lottery ticket young players and bring in a Kayla McBride. And there's a couple other players that I maybe feel the same way about for the Liberty, but mm -hmm. Kayla McBride would be high on my list if, if I were them. And you mentioned Minnesota too. Like that would be a great fit in my opinion, especially if they are going to adapt a more uh, three-point friendly offensive system like they did last year. Those two were the ones that jumped out for me, but Maybe LA, if you know one of their uh, big three players don't come back, because I don't think McBride maybe will command like a, a max deal. Uh, so, so maybe you'll be able to wiggle her in there somewhere. Well, LA um, also has some some role players specifically at the wing and guard positions that might be on their way out. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, those those are the ones for me. The Liberty, I'll just go back to it quickly because obviously they're like so far away from contention. Like yeah. Kayla McBride will be entering her age 29 season. Maybe she just wants something different than what New York can offer her. For her, it would really be like a complete culture shock to go from Vegas where like you were almost punished for shooting threes to uh, the Liberty where, you know, they, they encourage. You're punished for not shooting threes. Yeah, right. So moving on to Ariel Powers. I feel like this is the player that's going to be the, the one left out in Washington. The one left out? I mean, there's so many things that Washington needs to consider. For their, I mean, we aren't at restricted free agents yet, but, you know, you got to bring back Natasha Cloud and Latoya Sanders. But Sanders is going to be up there in age, as we talked about. You need to bring Miesemann back if, she, if she's going to play next year, of course, with the Olympics plausibly happening in 2021. We don't know for certain. But, yeah, they've got a lot going on there. And I think Ariel Powers is someone who proved last season that she is definitely a starting caliber player, as, of course, we have her as an above-average starter. And she just brings so much that I think a team like maybe a New York or an LA would just love to have her with both the inside and outside scoring ability. 
Yeah, LA was a team that I had for her. You know, again, if one of their three players is on the move and they get a little bit more financial flexibility. New York, you know, in a different way than Kayla McBride, just because she is someone that can like really put pressure on the basket. And when you are going to play a four or five out system, like you need, you that, need yeah. something that you've talked about all the time for this Liberty team. Like somebody needs to actually like make those three point shots, you know, the defense like rotating in some way and not just I'm chucking up a three because I'm standing behind the line, mm-hmm. you know, and Ariel Power's uh, ability to attack the basket. You know, she's not the best passer in the world, but at least she can get all the way to the rim. I also had Connecticut if, if they can afford her. They won't be able to, but I think she would be a, a great uh, addition to someone who does, in theory, what Dewana Bonner is maybe going to be able to do with a little bit more space, like get all the way to the basket. I think Powers is better than Bonner at doing that. So, yeah, I, I feel like she'll be the one that Washington decides to kind of, uh, you know, cut their loss on and, They'll still have Mitchell and, and Cloud probably at, at the guard spot and then just shifting Atkins down to the three. It just feels to me like that's kind of where it's going with how she was able to perform in the last two years in Washington. It's going to be really, really difficult for them to retain everybody. And it's not like they're a team that's going to be going shopping either. You know, they, they, they're they tight. Things are tight. Yep. But Nigel Laney, for me, I think, you know, Atlanta's going to make her the priority in my opinion. They can't offer her more money, but, you know, she did have her – most successful season there, like by far, obviously winning most improved player, you know, maybe she just kind of looks at the situation with Courtney Williams and Kennedy Carter. And then of course, Tiffany Hayes coming back and thinks that the minutes might not be there for her or the opportunity to just have the ball in her hands might not be there for her, but I feel like she stays. I think she's going to stay as well. Um, She could go elsewhere. I mean, Lord knows her stock is as high as it probably ever will be, but with, with a player like Benajah Laney, she's going to be so valuable to them because she can guard almost every position on the floor. I don't think she's going to be as hot of a shooter as she was last season. So you're probably buying high here, but she's still going to be just 27 years old. Uh, I think you need to prepare for a situation in which maybe Tiffany Hayes doesn't come back. I'm not sure if they're, if they're still committed to building around her or not, but with the emergence of Kennedy Carter, I don't know. I mean, the Nigel Laney, the dream didn't have many bright spots last year, but she was definitely one of them. And I think they're just going to do whatever they can to keep her. And it's not like, I don't know. I mean, there, there are worse situations to be in. You know, it's not like she's, on, she's languishing on New York or something like that. Sure. Atlanta definitely, you know, higher expectations next year with Hayes coming back and Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland kind of getting acclimated and everything. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm Laney, the, the thought does go into my head. Like, we have Kennedy Carter. We have Courtney Williams. Tiffany Hayes is going to be back. Like, am I really going to be able to do the things offensively that I was allowed to do last year? Uh, but maybe there are no situations around the league that well, is going to just go. That's easy. an interesting point. Like, there are so many players on Atlanta who are going to need the ball in their hands. And we even said this before the season when we didn't even, when we didn't even know that Benajah Laney was going to break out like this. She's, she's still a player who I would not – who I think is better with the ball in her hands than playing off the basketball. So uh, that is a lot of, like there, – there, there's only one ball. <laughs> and we said that, that's maybe kind of a cliche, but in Atlanta I think it's, it's true. So I don't know. Where do you think if she would go if, if Atlanta isn't able to keep her? I'd well, love her to have her back in Chicago, but that's not really possible. Yeah, but. I mean, yeah, Chicago's uh, in a tight spot cap-wise. You know, I don't think this will, unless it's like a one-year deal, I, I just don't think this is going to work money-wise. But, like, she seems like such a Vegas player. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, Indiana take would sign her. But, like, it's hard to really – pick a, a spot that kind of has the room and the opportunity for her to do what she did last year. You know what I mean? Like it, so many of the 
good teams can't afford her and so many of the bad teams like have a young player who they want to have the ball in her hand more like and I don't feel like I don't know Minnesota just doesn't seem like they're gonna go after Benajah Delaney like I just feel like they'll either have other options or, or prioritize differently so I don't know it's going to be an interesting one for her I don't really have a, a good read on it if Atlanta you know decides to sick with the more kind of uh old guard with, with Hayes and Williams. Let's, let's come back to this. Cause I, I I'm going to ask you another question about this, but you also okay. have Jasmine Thomas in this tier. I do have Jasmine Thomas. I, I think she's an above average starter. You know, she's one of the best defensive perimeter players in the league. You know, I think maybe a, not an above average offensive player, but uh, an average offensive player and in, in an elite defensive player. Connecticut won't be able to afford bringing her back on a, max contract I do not believe if they want to fill out their roster with enough players to field the team but I think you know as long as she doesn't get over like a an offer for like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars like I think they'll be able to keep her but is she worth is she worth a max contract though no I don't think she is you know if she can get it good for her like great uh definitely want players to always maximize their earning potential but if I mean maybe for a team that is kind of like an Indiana that's that's the team that jumps out to me like throw a max contract at Jasmine Thomas uh, and maybe one of like the bigs that can kind of really change what you're doing defensively. Uh, Like Neko Gumake was one I Mm -hmm. mentioned last week. Like if they just like, I know it's a pipe dream and you know, we're kind of playing fantasy basketball a little bit, but if they just brought in like a Jasmine Thomas and a Neko Gumake to completely change their defensive culture to go along with some pretty good players that they already have and some pretty good young players that they have that that's to me something I would seriously consider if I were them. Sure. But do you think Jasmine Thomas is going to stay in Connecticut ultimately for like less money? I don't think she'll stay for less money, but I think that I don't think a max offer will really come. So I, I think Connecticut will be able to offer her the most or maybe not the most money, but equal money to what she'll get elsewhere. Okay. Fair. Um, But another solid option for her, I thought would be Dallas as well. Like it's so hard to find like a team that could just use it. There are so many point guards in the league that are at least in the same category as as her and if not like you have like a young ball handler to consider so you know there's not a ton of teams that are looking for a jasmine thomas type in my opinion i think you got to see who dallas's coach is going to be if if it was brian agler i think brian agler would love to have jasmine thomas yeah but it is no longer brian agler so that, that seems like a team where i i still think arike is arike gumbawale is is the best player in that roster to be you know handling point guard duties because she's so good at dribble penetration and she rarely turns it over um but well, as if you I could say, say they, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like, I think Jasmine Thomas would be best suited in a secondary role where you are the point guard nominally, but you're playing alongside like a, a primary ball handler who is a little bit more gifted offensively to kind of handle those, that heavy lifting. Okay. I mean, I was, I was going to kind of, kind of walk it back and say, but Dallas could use a, a stud perimeter defender. Oh boy. Could, they could use a stud perimeter. They could use several stud uh, perimeter any, defenders. <laughs> stud defender at any position really. Yeah. Yeah. So solid. Did you have anyone else in above average star? You said, oh, Erica Wheeler. You mentioned. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you, uh, who would you rather have, Erica Wheeler or Jasmine Thomas? I would rather have Jasmine Thomas. I think uh, she just contributes more to winning basketball. You know, Erica Wheeler is a better scorer for sure. What do you think? I think it's tough. I think this is. I think it's neck and neck. I mean, obviously, Jasmine Thomas is a better defender, and Erica Wheeler is a better offensive player. With Wheeler, I think you have the element of shot creation which I don't think can be like over undersold. Um, That's right. But again, but like not, now that I think about it, like she was, she's never that been that good at getting to the free throw line. So, and Thomas has been 
more consistent over the course of her she's, she's gotten pretty, better at it yeah like pretty much since you know like 2017 was pretty much her peak and she's been a kind of a stud since then at least in terms of like what it is she does well and a good enough offensive player in terms of like what her offensive skill set is and wheeler i think is much more susceptible to kind of roller coaster seasons and the the one thing that i think really separates them in, in Thomas's favor is that Thomas has like, I don't know how much you put into this, but she's got the experience of leading teams to WNBA finals as leading good defensive teams. I think Erica Wheeler is still kind of unproven in that regard. I mean, her, her career arc has been an incredible one. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong, but I still need to see Erica Wheeler like actually lead a team as a point guard to more than nominal success, you know? Yep. For sure. But Definitely I do fair. think she is the best remaining free agent guard that we haven't talked about yet oh yeah definitely she without she's, a doubt yeah the one that could kind of make a case for being in the above average starter category it was a little tough for me to put her there but there's there's no doubt do you think indiana is going to prioritize bringing her back i think they should try being uh, being realistic here i don't think nakagumuke is going to indiana no i i don't think like kayla mcbride or ariel powers are going to indiana so indiana is in kind of like a tough spot like they do have you, like as you said they do have the young pieces but I'm not sure anyone really wants to go there. So, yeah, I, I think Wheeler has, has – she's earned it. You know, I, I think she's a player who the Fever really like um, as far as, you know, her, her development and her, her work ethic and her leadership and all that stuff, all that good stuff. And she's a pretty good basketball player too. So, yeah, I think, I think she'll be back in Indiana. You know, she's still in her prime, athletically speaking. We didn't get to see her last year, unfortunately, but I think she's still got plenty to give and uh, – you know, as a starter, maybe not ideal for her. I see her as like a more of a six woman type of player, but what other options do you have if you're the fever, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that's totally that's fair. And fair. we definitely got a, an impressive offensive season, at least statistically from Julie Alamon last year. And I don't know how sold Indiana will be in terms of like, this is our point guard of the future. And, you know, one thing we mentioned with Emma Miesemann last week, like there's going to be a lot of commitments uh, next season in terms of Belgian basketball yeah so maybe Alamon doesn't come over again I think that would be unfortunate but I haven't really heard too many rumblings about that so would expect her here for sure you know I, I'm not sure how much of a starting level point guard Alamon is not to say she isn't and just you know need a little bit more of a feel for it um, but we can move on to some of the remaining players in this tier which I had Raquana Williams, Bria Holmes, D. Rob, Simone Augustus, and Sydney Coulson with a little bit of a page break between D-Rob and the last two that I mentioned. Oh, that was on purpose? It was on purpose, yeah. Okay. I, I think there's just a little bit more questions in terms of like S Simone Augustus going into her age 37 season. You know, definitely had some hot games last year, but a little bit of a question mark defensively. And, you know, if the, the shooting isn't there uh, in a given game, I think she can be a bit of a liability. And then Sydney um, Colson, I think she just had a rough year. I expect her to be better next year. You know, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually gl really glad you said this because this is kind of what I wanted to lead on with, or lead off with on this tier after Wheeler, of course, is that Augustus and Colson. I think this is a very volatile sort of ranking because Augustus, like going into last season, <laughs> we were not high on someone Augustus at all, and she did shoot the ball a lot better than expected, and play some key minutes in some really weird LA lineups. But I digress. But she will be 37 heading into next year. <sighs> I don't think she's going to stick around for much longer. So I could see her falling into that fringe role player category. Whereas Sydney Colson, 
played like a fringe role player last year. Actually, Sydney Colson played like a not even a WNBA caliber player last year. Just being honest, I love Sid Colson, but she was dreadful last season. But there is a good chance, as you said, that she kind of picks it back up and provides that at least floor general point of attack defender type of play that vaulted her into this solid role player category. However, I don't think she's I don't think she's a player who can take the leap into like above average starter or anything. Oh, I definitely agree with that. One place I think would be a great fit for Sid Colson would be, you know, replacing Renee Montgomery in Atlanta. There's been some talk that Renee Montgomery perhaps will not be returning to Atlanta. And, you know, I think Colson is a little bit of a better fit than say like an Erica Wheeler type who just wants, needs to have the ball in her hand a little bit more to be effective in, you know, playing alongside Kennedy Carter and Courtney Williams. I think just a, a more low usage, three-point-oriented backup point guard would be a really great fit there. Yeah, and, and for those who, uh, who don't, didn't pick up on that, um, it was reported by Bailey Johnson in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that Renee Montgomery will probably not be back with Atlanta next season, which makes sense to me, given everything we already talked about. I think that's, that's not really a surprise. But um, So you, you think Sid Colson would be a good fit at Atlanta? There, I agree. You know, she's not a player who needs the ball in her hands to make an impact on winning basketball. And uh, honestly, I think a lot of teams could still use that. She's not a player who's going to be commanding a lot of money, really. So if you kind of eliminate that, that factor, yeah, I think a lot of players could, would be interested in Sid Colson. So what about the other three players? How would you rank these three players, Raquana Williams, Bria Holmes, D-Rob? Uh, I would say I'd rank Raquana Williams number one because she is just such a good shooter, even though she can kind of shoot you out of games too. Um, then D-Rob, I mean, she had a better season last year than I was expecting, but again, the fit in this, in this era of basketball, not really sure if she's like a starting caliber point guard anymore. And then Bria Holmes, honestly, like we have her in solid role player, but she might descend into fringe role player if she doesn't get her act together pretty soon. Like Kyla Charles came in as a rookie and basically did everything that Bria Holmes was supposed to be doing, but better. She's only 27 still, and she's got like some athleticism, but I don't know. I know you're not very high on her either. Yeah, you know, I kind of talked myself into her a little bit coming into this past season. She is a player who just looks like she should be a really effective basketball player. You know, she has great length, uh, great athleticism, and just it never really seems to click for her. In terms of the order that you said, I, I completely agree with you with Rakano 1. I mean, D-Rob is such a Vegas player. Like, if they're just going all in, uh, I hope she goes back there, honestly, because... <laughs> just, just go all in on this trip, it's, yeah. It's a match made in heaven, truly. And and she was really good for them. And I think Lambeer and what the Aces were doing is is a is a really great fit for D-Rob. And she was much better than either of us thought she would be. Yeah. Uh, Raquana Williams, like, to a lesser extent than Kayla McBride, is a player that, you know, you can just kind of plug in in most situations because, you know, every team can just use shooting. She is a little bit more uh, maybe unhinged at times in terms of her decision making but you know it's, it's hard to really pick a destination for Raquana Williams if you know it seems like LA is is going to be off the table if they're bringing all three of their players back and I kind of get the feeling even if they have their choice they might pick they might prioritize Brittany Sykes over Raquana Williams I get the same feeling yeah yeah so I mean it's I she's obviously going to land somewhere she's a quality player but it's hard to really uh, nail down like who will be able to afford her services that is really, you know, going to line up with where she is in her career going into her age 31 season. Phoenix, maybe. Yeah. I think that that was one that I um, was considering as well. And I think if they can, if they can 
pull it off and maybe they, you know, prioritize her over uh, Shatori Walker Kimbrough, that that would make some sense for me because I think they'll be pretty desperate for some shooting and backcourt depth. Or Connecticut, but I don't think they're in a position to to be spending on a player like her. You got some in-house stuff to take care of over there first. And uh... Well, there's another player that I think is also on their way out of their current team that if I'm Connecticut, I would prioritize over Oquana Williams that we will get to later in the show. A little teaser. <laughs> okay. So I, I think we can move on to some fringe role players that are unrestricted free agents. Not sure if any of these players are going to play in the league next year. Alex Bentley, Essence Carson, Shanice Johnson, Alexis Jones, Kalita Mosqueda-Lewis, Epiphany Prince, and Sugar Rogers. I think out of this list, I think Shanice Johnson is currently the best player, but she has just had horrible luck with injuries. And Minnesota doesn't have a need for her anymore. You know, sorry, but that's the way it goes. Uh, and she's going to be on the wrong side of 30 soon. And with these injury, this injury history, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would, I'd, I'd take a swing on that. Alex Bentley, as I have said, I think she's pretty much done with the WNBA or the WNBA is done with her. Essence Carson, same, same thing. You know, she had a nice career, but I think she's toast. Uh, Alexis Jones is the one for me that that jumps out that could maybe still give you something as an off the bench three point specialist. Essence Carson? No, Sugar Rogers. Sorry. Oh, Sugar Rogers. Yeah. And this is okay. So Sugar is interesting to me because she had that one or maybe like one and a half really good years in New York when she got the opportunity to shoot. But she has been this three point specialist for Vegas who just isn't shooting threes. So if you can't get off the bench and shoot threes for that team, where are you going to contribute? That's my primary concern. And, and also, how, how else is she affecting the game? Yeah, and she's, she's definitely not. And she, you know, she does take 79% of her shots from beyond the arc. But when you're still taking, what is it? Uh, well, she took three threes a game this year, which is a lot more than I thought. <laughs> I didn't think she played enough to take three threes a game. Yeah. I, okay. It's, uh, so. but, but see, that kind of, that, there, there's my point exactly, though. Like, what impact has she had since she's been in Vegas? Like, nothing. Yeah. No, so, you're right. Maybe someone else will be able to get something out of her. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't. She could it does seem like an league, incongruous but... fit, at least. If not yeah. Like and then like Epiphany Prince, like she did some things for the Seattle team, but that contract, I, I don't think they're going to be bringing her back. And I don't know, maybe, maybe a team could use a vet combo guard, but uh, I wouldn't prioritize her. And then Kalina Mosqueda Lewis might've been the worst player in the WNBA last season. If I was a Sun fan, I would not want her back. Uh, as a Sun fan, I don't want her back. Um, okay, I go. hope she uh, rebounds in the league nicely. You know, I did expect her to be able to contribute a little bit, but it was not good anytime she uh, was in the game for Connecticut. Definitely considerably worse than, in my opinion, any of her time in Seattle. Uh, we can move on to restricted free agents and one of the more interesting players in the class, in my opinion. Uh, didn't have anyone for superstar or star, but one player as an above-average starter and that is Alicia Gray, who will be going into her age 26th season. And I would love, love to know how Dallas feels about Alicia Gray. Uh, you know, she came off the bench for six games. She missed two more and still wound up third in total minutes for this team and was the one Dallas player that was positive in net rating. You know, take that for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. But Alicia Gray is really good. You know, she, she would help any team that she played for. She can score at all three levels. She's still definitely in her prime athletically. I think she's going to get paid. You know, I, I do think she'll, she'll stay in Dallas because given their situation, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to keep her. But I think someone's going to kind of throw the bag at her. Do you? 
Yeah, no, she's definitely going to get a nice contract from someone. And just a reminder for Dallas, they have currently 11 players under contract plus two incoming top five picks and the number seven pick. Uh, they should have $150,000 in space after signing those two higher picks, like the, the lottery pick and the number five pick. So I think if they want to give her more than $150,000, someone's got to go. Uh, and this is something we talked about last week with their roster crunch. Uh, there are definitely some candidates, in my opinion, but yeah, they've got some decisions to make for sure. I, I just don't see how how they don't how they don't make this work. I mean, if it is Dallas. They have made a lot of things not work previously, <laughs> um, but this this is just like a no brainer to me. You got to bring her back. Yeah, and of course, um, as a quick refresher, you know they will have any uh, as long as they can afford it. They'll have matching rights on any deal she signs. Kind of hope she ends up somewhere else. You know, this is a player that I think in Minnesota would just crush. Oh, she'd kill it, yeah. Um, but probably won't happen. We can keep dreaming. On to solid role players. I have three players in this tier. Brittany Sykes, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, and Sammy Whitcomb um, as a restricted free agent who will be going into her age 32 season. Um, surprising, but... You know, actually one more thing on Gray. Um, oh, I could see her as a Vegas type of player. Oh, sure. I mean, she gets to the free throw line as well as any perimeter player. She's a big wing who doesn't need the basketball on her hands, who can, who's got experience playing with Asia Wilson, right, from college. So I, just something to think about. If, wow. if, if they don't bring Kayla McBride back, you know, that, that'd be good for her. That'd be great. But, okay, yeah, so I'd sorry. I love that. Cool. So let's talk about these solid role player restricted free agents. And yeah, the first player I mentioned was Brittany Sykes. And, like, it feels like if L.A. – loses one of the their big three to in free agency, you know, this will be one of their top priorities. Um, this was a, one that I thought if LA brings back all those three players, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to afford, I don't think. And this feels like a little bit of a, a Phoenix type of player to me and mm-hmm. where, you know, she's not really a good shooter, but she like is enough of a floor spacer. Like she very much fits like kind of that role of, mercury players at least from the last season you know where they were like they could make a shot but they weren't really like you know gravity type (laughs) yeah sure but sykes is a player i think i'm lower on than a lot of people yeah i i can see where you're coming she was better last year than i than i think she i think we expected of her i think she's very overrated defensively whatever you know all defensive team consideration regardless I, i don't think she's that good defensively but She's a terrific athlete, uh, another player who can score at all three levels. Um, yeah, I think Phoenix is a decent fit for her or, or someone like New York where, like, how do I put this? Discipline on offense is not the highest priority. So she's a player who can come in and basically do whatever she wants. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I like the fit for Phoenix. Now, just to clarify, we, we've, we've said L.A. is going to prioritize her over Raquana Williams. Why do you think that is? I honestly don't think I have anything tangible to point to, to be honest with you. Obviously there was like a lot of campaigning from the organization for her as, you know, defensive player of the year or the all defense team, but it just feels like there's like an appreciation for her from the organization. And I'm not sure if it's from the players or from uh, management quote unquote, but I don't know. There's really something that I can't put my finger on, but it feels like. I agree. It's, it's strange. Like I, I can't put my finger on it either, but it does feel like they really love her there. Maybe if LA fans, if you're listening, uh, feel free to weigh in. Um, I think you'd agree with me though, that that Sykes is beloved in LA and uh, they would love to have her back if at all possible. Maybe it's like 
player quotes in the media how glowingly they speak of her. I think Candace Parker has had, said some really positive things about her. Ah, uh, but what if Candace Parker's not on the team next year? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe that's clouding um, my my thought of it a little bit. Hey, it's a long off season. Like we get we gotta we gotta take some yeah, swings sure. here. Uh, so Shatori Walker Kimbrough, I feel like this was a player that you and I like going into Phoenix were, or at least I was, I, I shouldn't speak for you, but I was pretty high on that fit. No, you're right. You're in right. In terms I of was. like uh, a tertiary playmaker, you know, someone that could spot up uh, with their two, obviously ball dominant guards and, and Brittany Griner as well. And someone who could kind of feed off that felt like it was a little bit of a disappointing season for Walker Kimbrough. I agree. She did shoot the ball very, very well from three-point range, which I've been waiting for. She shot 43.1% from three, which will definitely get it done. But, I mean, you got to ask yourself, like, why was she not starting for that long? Maybe maybe it's like the size. Like, she's she's 5'9", and that's a very, very slight 5'9". So maybe that's, like, the, the defense or, or, like, the lack of size on the perimeter is something that scared Sandy Brundell off from it. She feels like she's a player who could fit anywhere, but she just hasn't proven that yet, you know? Yeah, and she's still a player I'm pretty high on. It does feel like with the cap crunch that Phoenix is going to run into that unless, you know, just nobody comes calling, like Phoenix isn't going to be able to afford to bring her back. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that happens with restricted free agents and, and the offer never comes because people are, are afraid of the match. But, yeah, it feels like she'll be going somewhere else and, you know, don't really have a great read for where she would be a, a good fit on. Can I dig it? Yeah, I guess that's not too bad. You know, would love for them to prioritize so what, what if like they what if like they they boot both homes and mosquito lewis out and they bring in someone like shatori walker Kimbrough? yeah i mean is the player possible? i want them to bring in is the the next player on this list sammy wickham like she in my opinion is what they could really need just like an absolute bomber who yeah. can really space the floor and open things up for everyone else i mean it things should be a little bit better next year with john quo jones back in terms of the floor spacing but it was real crowded down there this year uh and they were you know, the worst, not the worst because the Liberty exists, but they were one of the worst three-point <laughs> shooting teams in the league. And, you know, they just were not a well-respected floor spacing team. And I, I think Whitcomb could really open things up if they could afford her somehow. She could. And she's not, it's like, she's not just a three-point specialist either. She can take it off the bounce. Um, and she does provide that energy, like on defense. I don't know if she's a good, I don't know if she's a great defender, but she, She'll give you those hustle points. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, she's not Kalina Mosqueda Lewis out there. Like, she's a fine defensive player. No, she's she's serviceable for sure, and she can play both guard positions. You know, definitely, I think she's definitely due for a race. Absolutely, I don't know if Seattle's gonna be able to keep her. I don't think like she seems like one of the more likely players in all of free agency to be on the move, in my opinion, just because, you know, we talked about it. Sue Bird is a free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia Clark is a free agent. Natasha Howard is a free agent. Like, you're gonna need to pay all three of those players serious money. So good luck. Yeah. And Whitcomb coming off a career year too, like, by the way, she, uh, she pretty much destroyed her career bests in both two point and three point shooting for a while there. Like if we were talking about like a hypothetical all-star, I don't know if I, I, I talked about this on the hypothetical all-star episode, but she, I think had a case for like being a hypothetical all-star for a while. Of course, the volume wasn't really there. I don't think it ever will be, but if you're talking about a three point specialist on a winning team, um, you got to look at her. Yeah, and it would be um, a great addition for Connecticut, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. We can move on to the fringe rope player tier, for which I had three players, Nia Coffey, Kayla Davis, and Blake Dietrich. Do you think any of these players deserve to be above where they are? No. I'm still not exactly sure what Nia Coffey does 
like above average or even average. She just doesn't seem like I feel like she's. I just keep waiting for her to like stop hitting threes. As long as she keeps hitting threes, like she'll have maybe a spot in the league just because of like her body. But it just doesn't seem like the rest of her game is as developed as I'd like her to be. You look at her and you're like, wow, this this player looks like a real tank, you know. But she just hasn't really ever ever been able to bring that. And Dietrich, I mean, she's a great shooter, but how many people are going to be coming in or coming like every year who say? Well, yeah, she's a great shooter if she can just play some defense. Or, yeah, she's a great shooter if she can just stay on the floor. Blake Dietrich is that player to me. And if I can go back to coffee for a second, she's okay. one of the players where, like, if you just look at the three-point percentage, I don't think it really tells the whole story of how much she shrinks the floor for you. Mm-hmm. She took 21 threes all season. She has a 9% usage. Like, she's – if she, she's, pre- wow. she's hitting them at, you know, a, a decent rate when she takes them, but – they're not really she's not taking them you know what i mean like so yeah, you need you the are, context there yeah and she's not she's definitely not being guarded when she doesn't have the ball so i think her her percentage alone definitely undersells i think how you know harmful is harsh but how harmful she is as an offensive player i mean she yeah she shrinks the floor that's that's bad also three teams in three seasons probably not good so you know maybe none of those players will be in the w next year maybe they all will be you know it's uh, hard dude because like every year you you come in and you you have to figure okay each first round draft pick is, or, or the first pick for each team is basically guaranteed a roster spot. Probably more than that. Like, again, you're, we talk about Dallas is going to have three first round picks, probably going to crunch that. But basically, like, you give a, your first round pick a chance every single season. So, who's going to get cut? You know, there's more and more talent coming in the league every season, and you, you can't afford to be, you know, not improving every year. It's, it's, it's tough. Moving on to the reserved list of players, not an overly (laughs) interesting list here. For solid row players, I had two and a half players, Bridget Carlton, Natisha Heideman, and, you know, I think Lindsay Allen is kind of in between solid range. Yeah. You know, Heideman, I think she'll be back in Connecticut. No real reason for them to not offer her a contract. And, you know, she's a reserved player, so she can't negotiate anywhere else and, and, Connecticut needs in terms of bringing back the players they want to bring back uh, some players on lower tiered contracts in terms Mm -hmm. of money. Bridget Carlton, you know, I think her and Minnesota are, they found something together. And I think Minnesota uh, with as much cap room as they have, will still be able to kind of prioritize her and go, you know, search for uh, another star to, to go there. What do you think about Lindsay Allen? Is, Is she a WNBA player next season? I'd put her under fringe role player, honestly. I didn't see anything from her. She's a solid floor general who doesn't really do anything offensively, like besides just manage a team. And kudos to Bill Ambeer for realizing that and like giving D Rob more minutes when 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 the game's really counted. Uh, I, I don't know who else. I like that she, she pushes be? the pace. That's yeah, but that's nice. That's 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 definitely good. But a lot of people can do that, right? So it's. Yep. I don't think um, I don't think she's going to be back on Vegas. I don't think she's going to be in the WNBA. I, who could use a player like her? I don't know. I mean, maybe Atlanta again. You know, maybe Atlanta, maybe Chicago. If if someone throws the bag at Sid Colson and you just need a, a a vet minimum backup point guard, but the pickings are pretty slim there. I think I actually like that fit. Uh, you know, I didn't think of it, but I think Chicago would be a good. Uh, good I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. But it, you know, I mean, I don't think it's really fixing like the net rating different. It's going to be the last player on the team. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, I do like Carlton, though. I think uh, she's legitimately good. She's legitimate. Yeah. Out out of these three players, I think she's 
pretty clearly the best player. I know you like Heidemann, but do you think she's better? Oh, I think Carlton's better. Yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, terrific shooter. Um, Minnesota was able to – I guess maybe my main concern about her was, like, the lack of athleticism, but maybe not as big of a concern as, as I made it out to be. Um, she earned another shot there, definitely. Of course, those uh, who remember uh, Connecticut cut Connecticut, Bridget Carlton yep. Uh, yep, yep. in favor of Nishisha Heidemann, which, uh, you know, they were desperate for ball handling. So, uh, in terms of winning that season, I think probably still was, was the right call at the time. But Carlton certainly has carved out her role since then. As a shooter, um, yeah, you'd, you'd probably love to have that one that one back. So fringe role player, uh, have four more players here. Let me know if you think there are any solid role players in this category. I, I'm not sure there's a WNBA player in this group next season, but Jackie Gemelos, Paris Key, Shea Petty, and Alexis Prince. Gemelos, no. Key, no. Petty, great story, but no. Prince, I like her skill set, and it's kind of surprised me that she hasn't caught on, honestly, because she's a, a three-point shooter with – with those long arms, like a potential three and D player. But these are all players who like it. were kind of bouncing around in the bubble there a little bit. And under normal circumstances, I don't think would, they would have been, they would have finished the season on a roster. So I don't think there's anything there. Do you? Not particularly. Uh, there's also a group of four rookies under the reserve player category, Jalen Agnew, Tia Cooper, Sela Johnson, and Suge Sutton. Uh, definitely think the former two will be returning to their teams next year. Could be a little bit more dicey for the latter two. Yeah, you know, Mike Tebow, he said, uh, I, was it when he brought in Stella Johnson or was it Shug Sutton? He made some comment about, you know, evaluating for next year. So they'll probably be back on like camp deals maybe. But I think, I think Taya Cooper is the obvious one. I mean, she was really impressive. We talked about it pretty much every opportunity we got about how impressive she was on both sides of the basketball. And uh, wow, Phoenix really should have kept her, shouldn't they? Yeah, she's good. Uh, look yeah. forward to talking about her next week when we dive into the rookie point guard review. Okay, so uh, suspended and expired players? Uh, yes, we have one. Maybe unfair to still have her in here. Superstar in Maya Moore. She's probably not coming back, but it was. She's be- earned it. Like we could just keep. You just say her. She would be in her age thirty-two season if she did decide to come back. Uh, nobody in star player category. Two players in above average starter, though. To be honest, Renee Montgomery should probably be in the solid role player. I'm going to offer it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one player in above average starter, and that is Natasha Cloud. I imagine Washington is going to do what they can to bring her back because she's really, really good. You have to. just, And I think she's one of those players, and I don't like to say this often, but she's a player who her impact goes beyond the box score, both on and off the court. She's a defensive. You know, She's always at the point of attack on defense. She knows how to distribute the basketball. She knows how to play with pace. All of her teammates love her. I, I don't see why they don't bring her back. I mean, she was like the player, in my opinion, from that championship team that really like played with an edge. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that really oh, yeah. played with some, you know, she has toughness. I think that that's pretty hard to replicate. And if I'm Washington, I'm certainly prioritizing her over some of their free agent post players. Uh, solid role player category, Rebecca Allen, Steph Talbot, Cecilia Zandalassini, and Renee Montgomery. If I'm New York, like I am doing what I can to bring back those first two players, particularly like you said last year, uh, last week, excuse me, Rebecca Allen. Uh, She's really, really good. I think Rebecca Allen actually has the potential to move into the above average starter tier um, because she's just such a good shooter. Maybe in that system, maybe that won't like, maybe she, uh, she's not going to get the opportunity, but I think you need to, to try to bring her back. I just can't help but think about how many players on New York last season 
had the green light to shoot threes when they weren't any good at shooting those threes. You know, you have to try and bring both of these players back because yeah. they are legitimately good three-point shooters. You're having UNESCO coming back, hopefully at full strength. The floor is going to be so much – you're going to have so much more better spacing with Allen and or Talbot on the floor compared to some of those players that they had last year. And Mourinho Hennis. Let's not forget about – Yes, Mourinho Hennis. Yes, uh, that'd, be, that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. For some reason, I don't know, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, though, because, like, again, the Olympics and... Man, I hope she comes I out. hope she... Yeah, that, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, um, Renee Montgomery, though, another player, you know, I think uh, Connecticut would be a great fit for her to come sure. back if she is not commanding too much money. They could use someone who can hit an open three, you know, probably a little bit more uh, on the, the downward trajectory of her career than, than Alpert, of course, uh, going into her age 33 season and not playing. But I think she can still contribute positively i totally agree with you and this is another player who like i would love to have in chicago if they could afford it uh, probably not but uh who, who'd you have uh, montgomery or, or said colson uh montgomery probably just because of her pedigree as a shooter i would say i agree yeah that i think a team i think her starting days are over but she can definitely still bring it to a winning basketball team in some capacity particularly because of that scoring ability so yes yeah, I think just about every contender will be called sure. Renee Montgomery to yeah. see what she, what she has. And maybe mind. like maybe she'll accept like a like a vet minimum deal to be on a really good team. Maybe if 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 uh, Bill Ambeer would have her in Vegas, I don't know. Fringe role player, I had Yvonne Turner. Will be in her age thirty three season. Don't know if she'll be back in the WNBA or not. Was yeah, you know, not my favorite player in the league, but she served her time in Phoenix very well, very mm-hmm. admirably. Anyone jump out at you in terms of teams that kind of stand to make the biggest improvement in free agency, like kind of before we know anything that's going to happen, like who would we expect to quote unquote win free agency? Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota jumps out to me immediately because they have both the space and the pedigree. They're a team that is already established. Uh, Shul Reeve is arguably the best coach in the league, arguably the best GM in the league. And you already have so much talent there. Just the way they're able to, maintain their their play as a top four team this season this past season was really incredible given everything that happened and uh, they're in a position to make a huge splash so i don't see how they don't get better yeah they have nine players on roster you know bridget carlton is really the only player that's a free agent that i would really be prioritizing and she's a reserve player so they have exclusive negotiating rights and they have a ton of cap space so i would be very surprised if they didn't bring in a big name also, I would, I think, uh, sorry, uh, I think New York is going to get better through through free agency because there's no way they can get worse. That's a great point, and <laughs> um, they're going to bring back some players as we've talked about over the last two weeks that fit into their system a little bit yeah. better than than some of the rookies that were playing last year. It'll be interesting to see who they prioritize. Uh, we talked last week about how they signed Keith Stokes to a pretty inexplicable, uh, fully guaranteed extension. Yeah, and I think. Decisions would be a lot easier to make if that weren't the case, but not my problem. Anyone we expect to take a hit this free agency from a team perspective? For me, you know, LA and Phoenix definitely come to mind. LA and Phoenix. Okay. Um, I was going to say Washington because they've just got so much work to do in free agency, but before they do anything outside of the box, they need to look inside of the box. (laughs) That's kind of a weird analogy, but they need to bring everyone back and they may not be able to do so. I think they will be able they'll be back in contention next season, but I don't think unless they just totally hit a home run in free agency, I don't think it's possible that, that they return to the 2019 dominance that we saw. Phoenix, I agree with you. I think some big changes are on route there. 
maybe Connecticut. I don't know, depending on how the cap plays out. I mean, if if one team just offers Jasmine Thomas more than they can handle, they're not going to be the same team next year. Then you're starting Dishisha Heideman, and that's yeah. Or you're starting Brian January and Kyla Charles, and that's right. Amazing. Also not ideal. You have Seattle here as. You say you don't see how they bring everyone back. I just I don't know how they can afford it. You know, Sammy Wickham is definitely going to be the odd player out, but maybe there's another odd player out too. Like it's, I I don't think. I mean, mathematically, like you, they have five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in space. Probably two players at least that are going to command a super max contract. I would imagine, like someone I think would be more than happy to pay Natasha Howard that in a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. And Alicia Clark would probably, you know, I don't know, age 33, it'll be tough to see if she gets the standard max, but she's definitely pushing, you know, 150, 175K. So it's, I think it's going to be tough. They, they've got some, they've got the work cut out for them from a, a cap perspective. It's going to be tough to bring everyone back for Seattle, but I think as long as they bring back their starting five, uh, they're still going to be a contender. Oh yeah, for sure. Because you and, still have the positional versatility that's basically unmatched there and... And like, I, th- I, think, I think if you're comparing them, like Washington has more to lose than Seattle does. And I think, you know, veterans will probably take less money. To oh, play yeah. There, oh, so. yeah. Yeah. You'd love to play there for sure. Cool. So that, I think that about wraps it up. Anything else that you wanted to mention just in terms of free agency? Yes. Yeah, someone please sign in Chicago. No, um, not really. Uh, this is an interesting exercise. I don't know that much about this stuff. Still don't. Um, so I thank you, Stephen, for, for doing the research and breaking it down. Also, our friends at the next and at her hoop stats for doing the vast majority of the work here. We really appreciate the research and the reporting there is it, it makes the off season a whole lot better. You know, it's like I said, it's a long off season. Um, it's nice to have some transparency as far as, you know, the CBA and how much everyone's getting paid is concerned. And um, yeah, this just uh, stokes the fire of, boy, I can't wait until February, you know? Yeah. It's going to be fun. There are going to be uh, a lot of players, um, on the move, I think, you know, things, things are going to get real interesting. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll wait until then. Um, hope you all enjoyed listening to this. Uh, once again, if you have any feedback or anything to add, uh, we'd love to hear it at Double Down WNBA on Twitter or at Nemchuk E at Trinkwald, our personal accounts. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify. So whichever is your platform of choice, your listening platform of choice, I should say, uh, feel free to give us a, a shout a review, a subscription, whatever your heart desires. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us. As always, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and stay healthy. We will see you next time.